Welcome to All Road 65 Max Radio, where the road ahead gets brighter as we journey toward truth, traveling through our dreams and inspiration into a new reality. It's time, and your ticket is waiting. All aboard All Roads Lead 65 Max with Pamela Henderson. Love that music. Greetings. Thank you for joining me on BBS Radio, All Roads 65 Max Radio. I am your host, Pamela L. Henderson. My focus is my mission statement, to help create a quality of life through social growth, inspiring jewels to become leaders by establishing partnerships with entrepreneurs, corporations, donors, sponsors, volunteers, the community, and abroad. Please join me every other Tuesday at noon on BBS Radio. My guest today is Jeanne Collins is an award-winning interior designer who left the corporate world behind to find her true self through design and internal reflection. Her firm, Jermar Designs, works with executives and entrepreneurs, focusing on projects that combine sophistication and balance. With inner and outer wellness, winner of the 2022 Lux Magazine Red Award, she was also recently nominated as an HGTV Designer of the Year. She chronicles her journey and the approach that changed her life and work in her memoir, Two Feet In. At last, I want to say thanks again for giving me this interview chance, Jan, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Pamela, for having me. It's great to, <laughs> to speak to you. Yes, yes. I'm so excited. I have a bunch of questions and I'm looking forward to learning and understanding who you are. So again, I thank you so much. So I'm going to get right to it. You have a memoir and it helped change your life. Tell me what is the meaning of Two Feet In and what is it all about? So my memoir is a memoir, right? So it's a story about my life. Um, and two feet in, as I was writing my memoir, I realized that I tend to approach, let's call them challenges, crossroads, life-altering situations um, in a way that not everyone does. And so I really, when I have to make a decision, I jump in with two feet. I make that decision. I don't let my mind sit and stir and let self-doubt change my mind or paralyze me from making a choice. And I make that choice and I plow forward um, for better or worse, right? And so I realized when I was writing it that not everyone does that. And everyone, has, some people have told me not everyone has the self-confidence to do that. And ironically, I don't actually view myself as someone with a high level of self-confidence. So it was um, fairly ironic. And so I thought as I was writing my book, it would be important for readers to understand some of the challenges I've had, my life path, my life journey, I've been divorced twice, major career shifts three times, um, how I did that. How did I make those changes and how did I get to be in the place that I am now being 53? And I can clearly say I really feel like I am living my best self. I'm living my purpose. Um, I've never been happier. I've never physically felt better. And how did that happen? And how did I do that? 
Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. You are absolutely right. I had to learn that myself. I used to let that little that little woman that sits there and yeah, we all have. But I know when it's something good, and I know I need to go for it. And she just get up there and she's like, "You, you, I don't know if you should do that." (laughs) Exactly it. Yep. We all have that person, and depends on how loud you how loud you let that voice be. So true. Since you are not a celebrity, how are you marketing this book to ensure you reach your intended audience? Who is your intended audience? So it's funny because when I first started writing this book, I thought, okay, my intended audience will be women, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, potentially looking for career change, life change, struggling being a mom, that sort of target audience. Um, and as I started to write it and um, and rewrite it and rewrite it as happens when you write a book um, right. and share it with some other people, some of them being men, I very quickly realized that my target audience was actually a lot broader than I thought it was. And so it's really anyone from late teens on Um, Because I cover so many subjects and so much of my life and there's so many, uh, let's call them little nuggets of wisdom, as a friend of mine says, um, that it appeals to a lot of people. And I've had, you know, men in their 80s tell me they've loved my book. I've had men in their 30s tell me they love my book, which was not what I would expect. So I, it's strange because I come from a marketing background. So in a marketing background, you know, you have to have a target. Like you can't just say everyone because that doesn't work. You can't market to everyone. However, I have found that my book does appeal to lots of different people in lots of different ages, lots of different life stages, people that are struggling with different subjects because it's not just one subject. And I have been able to market and promote my book through lots of podcasts, um, speaking engagements locally where I live. I've also written quite a few articles since the book came out. I think I'm on like my ninth article published in different, you know, online magazines and things like that to kind of get the word out about my book. But I am not a celebrity, which makes writing a memoir a little bit interesting. But I also think it makes my book more relatable because I am not a celebrity. And so when you read my story and you hear how I did things, it makes it a little bit more actionable for people because I'm not a celebrity and I'm not anybody famous. I'm just a regular person. Well, we're famous in our own way. <laughs> I had someone say that. They're like, don't call yourself normal. Right. <laughs> like, okay. You know, we wrote these books. I'm and... like, okay, fine. I'm not normal. But, you know, there's a whole big leap between me and my life and somebody who's famous. So right. that is so um, true. But yeah. I still say you're famous because you wrote a book. I wrote a book. And even though I'm not a celebrity, I'm a celebrity for those whom are listening. For those who get to know you, you are. You are correct. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> what is the first thing you hope a reader takes away from your story? That um, people have a lot more power than I think they give themselves credit for. And um, a lot of times to make change in your life, it really just requires you giving yourself permission um, to make yourself a priority. And I think, especially as women, we struggle with making ourselves truly a priority. And there's a balance between making yourself a priority and coming across as selfish. 
Um, and so I think we need to do a better job as humans of giving ourselves permission to take care of ourselves and to make ourselves a priority and not have that viewed as being selfish. And then recognizing when we can be our best selves, we're giving to others the best version of ourselves. And that raises the energy in the room and that helps inspire people and motivate people and helps people decide they want to take on changes and change the world when they're around people that have that kind of energy. So but you have to take care of you first. So my hope when people read the book is that they are inspired to think about their lives maybe a little bit differently um, and maybe take some action steps, even if baby ones, to make themselves more of a priority so that they can feel like they're living a better life or getting a little closer to their true selves. So when I wrote my book, here I am, an entrepreneur, and here I am on my journey just feeling real good towards success. And I was taken off my journey because my mom ended up, um, she was diagnosed with carcinoma cancer back in 2005. And here it is, 2009, and she's now leaving me. So she's bed rested and I promised her I didn't want to put her in a home. She wanted to remain in her own home. And it was really, really difficult for me because I had to leave from my home to her home and I had to take care of my mom. And I have no regrets with that. That was my best friend. That was the only regret I have is losing her. Right. I'm sorry. And I experienced, thank you, some other challenges that came along. My daughter, whom was in a very bad domestic violence relationship, had her children removed from her home due to the neglect. Now I'm taking on more. And it became so overwhelming that I had to ask for help. And what better way for me to do that by consulting with the social worker whom had was assigned to the case. But my life took a turmoil. That is another story. When I meet you in person, we have to have a glass of wine. I don't have to have a I'm all in. I will never turn down a glass of wine ever. It's five o'clock somewhere, anywhere, at any time of the day. I'm all in. Thank you. So my question to you, give me an example of the challenges that you were facing where you had wrote your book. What, what, what happened? if you don't mind me asking. Sure. So, I mean, so I have challenges that I talk about in my book on almost every subject you can imagine, right? Because I've um, I've been divorced twice. I'm a single parent. I've been raising my daughter. She's now 17. Um, I got okay. separated when I was pregnant with her. So I've been a single parent um, and I've massively changed careers three times. Um, so, but I think a challenge that is... Um, that a lot of people struggle with and can relate to is my challenge with work. And um, so I was an executive, you know, I was an executive in sales. I was an advertising VP and I did that for 22 years. And um, I kind of defined myself by that role and the success that I had attained in that role. And that success allowed me to live the life I live and be able to support my daughter and live in a very expensive town. And it was great and travel and that was wonderful. Um, but at the same time, that job was kind of sucking the life away from me and I didn't right. really know it at the time. And um, in uh, January of 2020, the year that I was turning 50 and right before COVID, I got fired. 
And I never truly imagined that I would get fired. And it's sort of, it's so, it's such a strange moment when you're a single parent and you're a woman and you're an executive and you define yourself by this role. And now this role doesn't exist. And so it was, okay, so who am I? <laughs> who am I? And and who do I want to be? Because I'm now turning 50. And in some ways the clock is ticking. And yet in some ways I still have so many more years to work. Um, and need to work. I needed to work for another 20 years and still do. Um, so it was a very challenging situation because it was it was stressful and it was very emotional, but it was in some ways such a relief because I realized I was so stressed from that job and started to realize, wow, okay, now I I, I really have a blank slate and I can I can figure out what I'm gonna do next and how I'm gonna pave my path forward next. And so in the book, I talk about, you know, the steps that I took and what did I do and what did I read and what did I journal and my career coach and the process that I went through to determine that I really focused not on what I wanted my job to be like and what I wanted the task to be like, but how I wanted to feel about my job and how I wanted to feel about my life. And then I was able to connect the dots with that and interior design, which was a huge passion of mine. And so then I jumped two feet in. I had no business in becoming an entrepreneur and starting an interior design firm, but I did. <laughs> but I did. And that was three and a half years ago. And it's been so successful. And same thing with my book. I had no intention of writing a book and especially writing a memoir. I'm a very private person. I, you know, the idea that I've like put my life out onto this page for everyone to wow. read is a little crazy in some senses based on some of the content in there. I'm like, wow, my daughter's like, so now when I walk around town, like everybody kind of knows everything about you. <laughs> kinda, yeah, <laughs> they read my book. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but you have to, if, when I had to make the decision that I wanted to write a memoir, I had to really think about not that I was writing a book, but why was I writing a book? Just like, why was I starting into your design firm and what was my goal and what was the purpose of doing that? And what was the end game of that? And, uh, you know, for the book, it was all about, inspiring people and making a difference and helping people change their lives. And you can't do that if you're only willing to tell half your story, then where's the truth? You know, where's the truth? If you're not willing to be vulnerable, how can you ever expect someone else to be vulnerable and who feels self-conscious to put their guard down and take a risk if you're not willing to do it too? So, and you got to be willing, as you know, because you've done this, you got to be willing to, you know, have a little thick skin along the way because, you know, there are people, Absolutely. That, even people that you think are your family and you're like, how could you not support me telling my story for this good goal? And they're like, oh no, you should have never done that. I'm right. Like, it's not like, something. Isn't it amazing? I'm like, but if I help one person make a major change in their lives and they then do good and feel better about their lives and can help others and then they help others and they help others. Isn't that worth it? Me like sharing some dirt about my life? And not everybody supports that idea. But I they still did it. And I still believe in it. I still think it was the I am still so proud of it. And I'm happy I did it because the people who do read it say it does impact their lives and it has changed their lives. And they go back and reread it again. And so do I. I reread my book too when I need a little pick me up or a reminder. Yes. <laughs> go back and read, I go back and read my own advice. <laughs> yeah, we're not perfect. Not every day. It feels right? so good. Yeah. I mean, even when I'm talking to the girls and they look at me and they're thinking that, oh, 
here she is, this old, this executive lady coming and, you know, what is she's going to tell us about what we need to do and everything. And when I start telling my story, I see tears and, oh my God. And, you know, and I always have to say, you have to understand you don't, you, you, your story is not the only story that has meaning. Right. And people that stand up on the stage, and this is the reason why I support the 45.5% of women motivational speakers, because they are the ones that encourages, inspires, they help change lives one day at a time. Just like for me, the things I work, I was going through, and I was up here thinking, why me? Why is it that I have to go through this? Why I can't move forward? And I just happened to go and see Les Brown. Mm-hmm. And yep. I tell you, it just totally changed my whole outlook about my journey. And so I just kept going and I didn't even have a chance to moose all yet, but I just start writing. And when I started writing, I ended up writing a book. But I had so much information. You had so much to say. I had so much to say. I was like, I don't have anything good that's going on in my book. And I really had to understand that I had made some accomplishments out this world. And they need to be told as well. Not just the challenges and the hardship and things of that nature. But what did I do? What made me keep going? to attain these little nuggets, right. I should say, right? And attain the wins. Like you can have your down moments, but you have to be able to reflect back to when did the universe work out and help you and how did you overcome and and the happy days. You have to be able to celebrate the happy days. And the more you do that, the more you realize, you know, there are more of them than you think. And you accomplished way more. We're not very good, especially as women. We're not so good <laughs> at patting ourselves on the back and being like, yeah, yeah, congratulations. You worked a 10-hour day and did five loads of laundry and made dinner and <laughs> drove and spent an hour driving around while you were on conference calls, picking up from looking A to B. Like, yay, go you, go mom. No, I'm trying there. to tell you, I did it last night. I was like, like my husband had got food poisoning over the weekend. He was so sick, throwing up all over the place and everything. It just was disgusting. But (laughs) I had to help take care of that. And here I am cooking for the family. I started mopping and sweeping. I just like, I'm like, all right, universe, is there something going on? (laughs) We have energy we need to burn. What's going on? You Uh know? And yep. I had accomplished writing my blog and, you know, doing my quotes for the day and all those things. But I tell you, I was tired around about 930. <laughs> of course, of course. But it's important to take a step back and be like, you know what? I, I did good today. Like, I really, yeah. you know, I did some good stuff. And it's Absolutely. not just about cleaning up the house and mopping, which is good because it has to get done. However, right. you know. I did accomplish a lot because we don't pat ourselves on the back very much, especially as mothers. And it's important to take a pause and recognize all that you accomplish, especially when you're feeling down and you're feeling lost. It's very important to remember and to reflect back on how many times, you know, the universe has provided for you and how many times you've figured things out or they have worked out or you have overcome things Um, because it's easy to forget and get stuck in the negative mindset. 
It sure is. Absolutely. Now, I, I already have pushed that little woman off. She, yeah. she's a, <laughs> I have friends that have a name for her. She's away. <laughs> <laughs> I have friends who have names for their little woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my next question is, what is the most important thing you learned from your time in corporate America that helped you start your own business? that you do not need to know how to do it all. And I think it's important in any career, um, you know, especially, you know, the statistics are out there that women don't apply for as many jobs as men because they read the job descriptions and they feel like they have to have, you know, 75, 80, 90% of the job qualifications in order to apply. And men don't look at it like that at all. And I don't know why we're wired that way. But um, I think the biggest thing I learned in corporate America is you don't need to know how to do everything, to be able to go do something and be successful at it. What you need to do is be resourceful and you need to be willing to ask for help. And the ability to make yourself vulnerable and ask for help when you go to do something and be able to say, hey, I'm new. I just started my business. I don't know how to do this. (laughs) Hey, I'm new. I just started my business. I really need a bookkeeper. Do you know a bookkeeper? I really... You know, in my business, we use receivers, like we send furniture to a receiver. I didn't even know what a receiver was. I had to call a rep and I was like, hey, so could you kind of explain to me how this process works? And you <laughs> feel a little stupid at first because you're like, I'm saying claiming to be an interior designer. It's like imposter syndrome. But I think corporate America taught me that I can still be really successful at something, but I don't need to know everything there is to know about everything in any career path or in anything I do for that matter. You know, you have to know enough and you have to be willing to ask for help. And the greatest teams are built from people that have different skill sets in different ways and they complement each other to make the greater of the team better as opposed to having everyone on the team look like you or you feel like you're superior to the other people on the team. That doesn't in management, you know, I really learned that doesn't lead to a good team. You don't being a manager doesn't mean that you have to be the best on the team. It means you have to be good at leading the team. And that's a very different skill set that. So you have to be willing to ask for help and you have to be comfortable being around people that are potentially better at some things than you, but that's okay. We all need to find our thing and your thing doesn't need to be everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's another thing too, that I get a kick out of because with some of the young ladies that um, I end up mentoring, I, I do, it's nothing that I request from them that I don't do. Nice. And they and they get a kick out of that because they're like, you know, you're about the only per- one of the only people I know that you don't take your position to heart, such as you feel that you too good to wipe a table down or, right. you know, do certain things of course. And I'm like, oh, no, because I'm here to help you to understand that it doesn't matter who you become in life, you still have to be self-dependent and know how to do these certain things. And I want that table clean. So I'm showing you how I like my table. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And if you want to clean it next time without my help, that's great. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. And they're just, now they do, they just take the towel. Okay. Cause she likes it like this. Yeah. Because it's important. And that's what we have to learn about anything that we do. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Same thing that I am right now implementing in one of the training programs that I teach and I help build customer service skills. 
And it's not about the customer is always right. It's just about how you can make the customer feel at that time to, so we can have some accomplishments here so they can come on back, right? Of course. Yeah. And they just want to feel heard. People also want to feel heard. Yeah. Um, which in anything, they, they want to feel like they exist and that they feel heard and that they have value and have a purpose in something and that they matter. And you, you know, you mm-hmm. can take that mindset to all kinds of things based on how you treat people every day. If you're just treating people like they matter, you know, the world would be a much nicer place. Yeah, that is true. Well, we got work to do on that, right? I know we sure do. <laughs> <laughs> we sure do. One small person at a time, my friend. One well, person at a time, you. right? <laughs> right. If you could go back and tell your younger self some advice, what would it be? My advice to my younger self would be don't get so wrapped up in the timeline of life. Um, I think when we're younger, we it's very easy to get wrapped up in, okay, I graduated from high school. Now I need to go to college. Okay, I've gone to college and now I'm in my early 20s and I need to either get a job or then go to graduate school. And okay, now I need to start looking for a partner in life. And oh, okay, now as a woman, if I want children, I really better hurry up and do that by the time I'm 35. And I think if I told my younger self to pay less attention to the time frame and pay more attention to the opportunity and don't be so focused on trying to fit into, you know, society's little box of what box. I was supposed to do and when I was supposed to do right. it, I think I would have made different choices and I would have taken a little bit more risk if I wasn't so focused on you know, I need to be able to get a job, I need to buy a house, I need to be able to have a corporate career. I think I missed out on the opportunity to potentially do something more creative and outside the box at a much earlier age. Wow. Great answer. I'm trying to fix that with my daughter. She's only 17. I'm like, she's so far outside the box. I'm like, you go. (laughs) I'm like, you didn't need to wait till you were 50 to figure it out. Thank you. I see. They have all the answers. I was like, I see. They have all the answers at 17, 17 and 18. Holy cow. I just listen to them and I hear some of their stories and how they feel that, you know, because you got to remember when we're up in age and at our in our 50s, then, you know, we're from a whole nother planet. We're old. Times. Yeah, we're, we're, old. We are, we're old. We are. We're old. <laughs> we like it or not, we're old. <laughs> we right? might be occasionally hip, but the reality is we're old hip. We're not like current hip. <laughs> right. Right. I know. I'm aware. Yeah, it's kind of funny. But I find that that generation, I find they're very smart. Um, and, and I think they're much more open to emotions and how they feel and talking about things. And they're much more open to concepts of mindset and manifestation and um, and being kind and giving back. And I, I, I actually really, I do enjoy seeing that because I don't feel like I was like that when I was that age. And I don't think my generation was like that either. Right. I do agree on that. Yep. Jen, how do you lay a strong foundation by doing the work to address the pain of the past? And the reason why I'm asking that question is sometimes the pain of my past becomes a little present, not as much like it used to. Right. Yeah. But it's still there. But it's still Um, there. It's still there. I think for me, um, it's been about, 
having the mindset that things have happened for a reason and everything, you know, they say everything has a time and a season um, and really believing that, that, and really living that, that everything has a time and a season and that, you know, some of some people were in my life at a certain period of time for a reason and for me to learn something and for me to grow. And I got something from every one of them when I when I look back at it. Um, and they also left my life for a reason at a time. And so even though there might be pain because they left my life or how they left my life, I have really focused on but that's okay that they left my life because guess what? Other people have entered my life at different times and they are now providing something different that that person would have never been able to have provided for me at that time. And so I think it's just coming to terms with um, accepting that they were there, accepting that hardships happen to everyone. We all have a story. Everyone has a story. Uh, right. I am not unique, right? And in some ways, some parts of my story, I'm like, it's really not that bad. There are a lot of people who have a lot worse stories yeah. than me, you know? Um, so it's not a competition about the story. It's the what it is, is how do we all learn and grow and evolve from our stories? And how do we overcome? Because everyone has hardships and you can't put yourself in a position to say, yeah, but, you know, my situation was way worse than yours. That's right. Not right. That's not life because you don't know. You don't know how that person is emotionally. You don't, you know, you just don't know what's important is how do we put it into its own box that we can be comfortable and at peace with where that is. And and also occasionally allow it to hurt a little bit. And I do allow that. And like I just kind of acknowledge that emotion that it does hurt a little bit or it does right. make me sad. Um, you know, that some people are no longer in my life or that some people did things that really hurt me. It does make me a little bit sad, but then I very quickly, you know, get that lady off my shoulder and say, yeah, but, <laughs> but look at, you know, but look at all these other people who are now in my life who weren't in my life at that time. And look at how much value they're bringing to me because where I am at this stage at 53, the things that I need at this stage in my life and the friendships and the things that I value in my friends is so different than it was when I was 20, 30, and even 40, quite honestly. Um, and so I think it's okay. People are there for that reason. Great answer. What about now? It's so funny because, you know, they say sometimes the people whom have hurt you the most end up coming, you know, they sneak their way back in, right? They do. They do. And especially women. Mm -hmm. They do. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, I made a mistake. Yeah. Yep. Yep. How would you handle that if someone, one of your girlfriends from the past, you guys had a falling out or disagreement and she did something that was really, 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 I mean, just to the core. I mean, this is unforgivable, right? Yep. yep. Years later, you run into the you run into her at a store, mm -hmm. and then the apology comes. I think you have to respect someone tremendously who is willing to be vulnerable enough to apologize, um, especially when it's on that scale, right? When a friendship has has ended or dissolved as a result, you have to be willing to um, at least respect that person for their apology. And then you have a choice as a person. You have a choice to listen to them and let them back in or decide, no, I listen to you. I accept your apology, but I still don't want you back in. And that's okay. 
Like it's okay. You know, I I've, I've done both. I've let people back in. Um, and I have also not let people back in because I decided it was better for me. And it's really looking at it as what is best for me, not what is perceived by society as the right thing to do. And what am I going to do that's going to hurt someone's feelings the least? That's not it. It's about Mm -hmm. what is genuinely at its core, the best thing for me, where I am right now, the space I'm in, the headspace I'm in, the life space I'm in, the positive energy that I need brought into my life? And can that person become a positive influence and really elevate the energy and inspire and motivate me and make my life better? Or are they not? Or are they just going to be flat? And if they're just going to be flat into my life, my response would be, thank you. I accept your apology. I appreciate the vulnerability. However, right now, I, I don't really have a space in my life right now for you. And feel okay by saying that because we do have choices. And it doesn't mean that life might be different later. Um, but it just means that it's okay to say that to someone that, you know, right now your life just doesn't have space for that person to be in your life. And that's okay. Right. And the the ones that you let back in, everything is fine. It is. There's I mean, it takes time. It takes yeah. time, but you have to be willing to truly listen to that person and try to truly understand where they were. Um, where you were and you have to be willing to kind of bury the hatchet and talk it out and then move forward and not go back and not be rehashing again and again and again what happened. It's like if you decide to let that person back in and you talk and you agree either to have disagreed on the situation or agree to have moved forward or agree to accept someone's apology and give them a chance, then you need to be open and let that play out and see how it goes. Now, you don't have to like open your heart wide open and be like, okay, here you go. Right. You can take some baby steps and give that person a chance to prove that they really want to be a good friend and they want to be there for you. But you can't go back. You can't you can't like keep going back to the past and be like, yeah, but you did this back then. (laughs) You got to be willing to be like, okay, I accept your apology. We have to be moving forward and also have an honest conversation about like, are we growing as people? Like, has that person who apologized grown as a person? So you have some confidence that they're not going to do it again, whatever they did the first time. And so that's the thing. And, you know, if you're pretty in tune, you can have a conversation with someone and really, really pretty quickly be like, yeah, you're just saying this (laughs) or absolutely. Or or are you genuinely like a different person who's done some work? Right. That's always like, have you done some work? What work have you done? What have you read? What have you been doing? Right. Like Mm -hmm, it doesn't mm -hmm. just come to us. Most of us get self-improvement and self-help from some source, whether it's a podcast, a book, a friend, a church, there's so many things, but absolutely, like lightning just doesn't strike down and be like, you know what? You weren't a nice person and now you are, and now you believe in the universe and now you care about mindset (laughs) manifestation before you thought that was a bunch of crock. Like something has to happen. So ask those smart questions and see what kind of answers you get. And if you align with the answers, then give someone a chance. So true. But sometimes those same behavioral issues, they st- they're still there. And you have to address those issues. Right. What makes the situation a little harder is that if that person doesn't realize or accept the responsibility that they are having these same behavioral issues, when they tend to think, it's okay, I don't mean any harm. But we're not in high school. It's like you have to recognize some of the things that 
you are presenting to someone in order to move forward, in my opinion. But right. great answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. I agree with you. How do you create a toolkit of resources to calm the mind, like tapping, journaling, and music? Oh, some of my favorites. Um, <laughs> So, so journaling is at the top of my list of favorites. Um, I never used to journal at all. Um, and now I do all the time and I, and it ranges in the spectrum between, you know, sometimes I do it every day because I have time. Other times I don't. Other times I can do it for an hour. It just depends on where I am. And so I always kind of cut myself a break and it's not like this religious thing that you have to do every single morning or something bad's going to happen. It's more do it when I have time to do it. I feel like doing it and I want to do it. And I do it for multiple reasons. Um, I journal first thing in the morning when I can, and it starts off with gratitude. Because if you can start your day with gratitude, it sets your mindset in such a different place. And I can be grateful some days for the people in my life, for being my own boss. And some days I'm like, hmm, okay, I am grateful that the sun is out. Okay, that, all right, we'll start there. You know, <laughs> like we'll start there. I, you know, I'm grateful for my health. Okay, you know, like if I can't get really deep about it, like let's just at least cover some basics and spending some time thinking about being grateful and also thinking about, I journal about um, things that I want to accomplish in a day that will make me feel like it was a good day. And what do I actually want to do um, that will make me feel like it's a good day? And I think by putting those intentions out in the beginning of the day, mm-hmm. it helps me give some consideration, you know, like some days I'm like, hey, I want to make sure I make time to listen to a podcast. And then while I'm eating lunch, instead of doing something else, I'll be like, hey, wait, now's a good time to listen to the podcast. You said you wanted to listen to the podca- a podcast, so let's do it now while we're eating lunch. Like, great. Or in the car, instead of listening to music, let's listen to a podcast because I put that intention out in the morning. It helps keep it top of mind so that I do the thing. So then at night when I'm going to bed, I can really be like, wow, you know, I I feel really good about today. I, I really accomplished a lot. So I also journal when I'm struggling with things. Um, I use journaling as I tell people, you know, try to just brainstorm and make it just like a dump of emotion. And I find sometimes when I'm really upset, I will journal about it and I will feel so much better not to have written a book about it, but just to have gotten on a piece of paper, the words of how I'm feeling. And by expressing those on a piece of paper, I find I'm more calm and I find I can handle the things that are difficult and stressful much more easily just because I expressed them. And it's not that I told them to anyone. I just put it on a piece of paper, but I got it out. It wasn't in me festering. I got it out. Um, I also journal about things I want to create in life. You know, mm-hmm. what do I want my business to be like in two years? What kind? What's my dream house that I want to design? You know, where's the next trip I want to travel to and write about those things. Because as you spend time thinking about the things you want to create, that helps manifest them and keep them out there. So huge fan of journaling. I actually love doing tapping after journaling. A lot of people have never heard of tapping and I haven't. I either. haven't. Please. I neither. Tell me oh, about tapping. tapping is so amazing. So tapping, there's a tapping app. It's Nick Ordner. He is unbelievable. And a friend of mine told me about him, told me about it a year ago. And she's like, you're going to think I'm crazy just so you know. I'm like, okay, fine. But I, you know, she's very spiritual and she's very wise and very smart. And I was like, I'll listen to you. She's like, you got to go check it out. So Nick Ordner, has an app called The Tapping Solution. And he's very well known for tapping. So the idea of tapping is repeating different things. And so you touch different parts of your body while 
while talking about different things. And they walk you through guided tapping. And it can be as short as three minutes, as long as 15 minutes. That's the max. And they're all on lots of different subjects. And it's a way to get your brain to think differently about the things that you were worrying about. Because the reality is we are what we think about. And so if your brain behind, you know, if your lady behind the scenes is like going like this all day long, (laughs) or not, that is not helping you. (laughs) You know, it's like you could be stressed about money. You could be anxious. You could be stressed about a relationship. You could have anxiety over your body. Like there's a whole range of subjects. And so tapping has been a proven method. If you do it every day over time, you will see how you feel less stressed and less anxious and more calm and at peace after doing a tapping session. And it can be as short as three minutes. I find it unbelievable. Like I can do it for five minutes and afterwards be like, huh, okay, my shoulders a little lighter, a little less stressed, got a little bit of a handle on it. And you know what? It's going to work out okay. Like it's going to be okay. Okay. Um, so tapping is great. Music. I love music. Um, I think maybe that's, I think the power of music is incredible and we don't give enough credit when we talk about mindset and wellness to music. Um, if I'm ever having a bad day, I come home and turn on some music really loudly and jump around the house. And my 17 year old would be like, what are you doing? You're dancing like a mom. I'm like, I don't care. I, don't care. <laughs> I can be dancing like a mom and my daughter's a dancer. So she's great. like, I mean, I look like an idiot next to her. But at the same time, it just allows you to let loose and the power of music to uplift your spirits when you're feeling down. So I am, we always have music playing in my house um, and of all varieties and all kinds. And whenever I find I'm kind of having a bad day, I'm like, let's take a pause and let's listen to some really fun music. And when you think about it, you think about athletes, right? They listen to music all the time before they go out and perform and before they have to go out and play. And it just gets their mindset. It gets them out of their mind and just more into their body and into a rhythm. And, you know, there's a lot about all of your different chakras and the power of music and the beats of instruments to realign your chakras and everything like that, which is a whole nother subject. But I think if you really think about it, music can get you out of your head. And that is the greatest asset as a person is if you can get out of your head, get rid of your little lady, get out of your head, then we are so much more empowered and powerful as people. Um, And so that's why I think music is so important. And we don't, we don't talk about the power of music quite enough. I don't think in, in our social channels and all the things we talk about. It is, it is very powerful. I do agree. I used to run almost like I say a quarter of a mile every day. Mm-hmm. And I did that for many years. But now I'm into yoga. Mm-hmm. And I can put me on some jazz or <laughs> some, even I even listen to Neil Soul. Yep, sure. And I tell you, not only is it a mind stress relief, but also yoga helps tone your body oh. and it takes away a lot of stress. hundred percent. It's so good for you. Exercise. We need exercise of any form, even if it's a 10 minute walk around the block, do it mm-hmm. while listening to some music or do it while listening to nature and really like absorbing and be present in what's going on outside. But music and, and exercise combined, my favorite. I listen to like hard rock when I work out in the morning, which is so funny because I'm not really a hard rock girl. But- <laughs> 
it reminds me of when I was young and I belonged to this like down and sweaty gym because it's what I could afford. And, it, you know, it's like <laughs> me and the guys and all the all the plates and we're working out. It's in my book. It's good. People laugh at me. They're like, oh, my goodness, you did this. I'm like, I did, actually. And I actually kind of liked it. <laughs> right. Because it didn't right. matter what I looked like. Everybody's just there in their own Zen world, jamming mm-hmm. out their music, lifting their weights. They don't care. They're not there to like how pretty do you look or anything like that. And I actually really liked it back then. That was before CrossFit and all these other things that people do now. But Right. It came yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. So true. You just find yourself just letting loose all by yourself. All by yourself. And you and do. That's and that's what I teach Your mind girls. stops. Your mind mm-hmm. stops. Yeah. The chatter stops. Your mind stops. And you become just really present on what you're doing and yoga, especially because if you're really paying attention, you're really paying attention to how your body feels and what are you doing and where are those abs? Are they out? Are they in? You know, are you breathing? Have to breathe. (laughs) (laughs) It's really painful. But you're focusing on that. It's like meditation. You're focusing on those things, not not the chatter and the rush that's going through your mind. So it makes you be really present. It's great. So true. So true. In your opinion, how do you build seven power pillars to support yourself from mindfulness to self-prioritizing? Yeah. So in my book, I talk about um, kind of like seven pillars that I believe in to, to building a powerful life. And it ranges on everything from exercise to mindset to manifestation to eating well. Um, but my two favorite are actually the last two. Um, and one of them is life work balance. And I think um, when I lost my job, when I was about to turn 50, we all call it work life balance. And, you know, you Google it, it's work life balance articles, books, work life balance. Why? Why is that? Just like, why do we only have two days in the weekend and five during the week? Why why is that? Why is that? (laughs) Right. But that's just what we call it. We call it work life balance. So when I lost my job, I was like, okay, no more of this. Like I'm done. I am calling it life work balance. And so that's what I write. And every time I speak about it, I call it life work balance. And every time I write about it, I call it life work balance. And when I speak locally about my book or my business, I say to people, if you start talking about it as life work balance, you will make different choices in your life when you realize the life comes first. The work has to happen. We have to make a living. There's no doubt. However, the choices you will make for your work will be different if you put life first. And so I it, I talk about that quite a bit in the book about how I did that. And then I give examples of, you know, how I've done that in my own life. Um, and then the seventh pillar that I talk about a lot in my book is making yourself a priority. And it's that's not selfish. That is making yourself a priority. If you don't make yourself a priority and take care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, socially, yes, speak no about one, it. no one else is going to, you know, and so you have to do that. And making time for that is actually helping others. It's raising your energy. It's raising the energy in your household. It's raising the energy of the people you interact with. It's raising your energy for when you go to the grocery store and you're just a kinder, nicer human. If you have taken some time for yourself and taken time to you know, do a yoga class in the morning and you then go out and get your coffee, it is amazing how much you are in a much better mood when you go and do that than if you ran around all morning long doing laundry and cleaning and everything and then run out for a coffee and you feel like you're behind and you're late and you're stressed. You are not in a great headspace when you go get your coffee. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and if you just take a pause, like I encourage people, I'm like, you know, 
think about those things. And if you learn to think about them, then you can learn to see in yourself how your behavior is because you made yourself a priority. And then you feel even better about it because you're like, oh, wow, you know what? I took that 20 minutes this morning to meditate. I could have done laundry. Sure. No problem. I could have answered more emails for work. Of course I could. The work never goes away. There's always work it to do. It never goes it away. It never goes away. But you it know never- what? I took that 20 minutes for myself to meditate. And afterwards, you know what? When someone called, I was actually in a really good, calm, happy space. And I felt really good. And you remember that. And so so in my book, I have the seven pillars, but the last two are my favorite, the life work balance and making yourself a priority because it's kind of those two things I think most people can relate to. And the rest is, you know, manifestation and mindfulness and meditation and exercise and eating well like we get one body think about what you put into that think about what you put into that body and start to become aware of how you feel you know i love pizza and pasta and ice cream more you know right along with everyone but my body doesn't always feel so good after i eat that so just kind of think about there's a time and a place for all of those things and you know you have nourish your body and take care of it and if you take care of it it'll take care of you so true. I mean, I'm like you. I used to, I was a wine connoisseur, right? I love wine. I still. Oh do. my god, I can't drink it like that anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't gotten to that point. Knock on wood, I still can. But you oh. know what? But I can't really. I take that back. I really actually can't. It has to be much more in moderation, and yeah, it has to be much yes. more in moderation. But then I think you know what? We're older, and and it's okay because I can appreciate it more. Because it's That's more so moderation, true. you know. That I can appreciate so the ice cream now. I don't eat ice cream every day, but when I do go out and eat ice cream, I'm like, "Oh, this is good. This real cream thing." <laughs> yeah. I don't eat a lot of dairy, yeah. but that real ice cream with real cream is yeah. really tasty. And then you appreciate it, and then I'm like, "Okay, I'm good. I don't need to have ice cream now for a little while. It's good. It's okay. Yeah. Everything in moderation. Everything in moderation. Everything. I do agree, but right. I think the biggest what gets us in trouble is when we start networking and getting together with others and you know women we have the chocolate in the oh wine my goodness and, of course oh, oh it just takes yeah. one person to be like hey you want appetizers sure I'm yeah. not gonna say no <laughs> you want dessert of course we're out oh yeah it's but you know what I agree with that but at the same time there is something that's so important about the socialization um I think of of giving yourself time to go out and talk to other people and be in public and you need friends, you need a network. You, do. you, you really yeah. do. And that is, you know, there's all kinds of research about that. That's what keeps people when they're older from getting Alzheimer's and, you know, you need the socialization and you need the break. And so I am a big proponent when I go out, I'm like, we're out. Let's drink uh, French fries, French fries, dessert. I am all in. I love salad too. I'll do salad and French fries and dessert and some Mm -hmm. wine and and a Cosmo. And be like, it's all okay. (laughs) It's all okay. I ordered the salad because I like it, but you know, I'm not going to turn down all these other things. Like this is great. We got to live. You got to live. We do. We have to live. That's what keeps us young. It is. You know, and then the next morning I'll work out for a little longer and that's okay. You know, I just can't do that every day. I could when I was younger, but now I just, you know, we're not 20 anymore. I can't, I can't eat like my daughter can, but that's that's okay. You have to like embrace and be like, I, I do find as we get older, the more, you're positive about your age and you embrace your age and you embrace that That's stage. That's right. Mm-hmm. What, what alternative do we have? Yeah. Right? We should, right? You know, like, yeah. be proud of where we are at this age. It's okay. Yeah. I don't need to look like I was 20. It's fine. Right. I'm not 20 anymore. 
A lot has happened since I was 20. Right. (laughs) Body's been through a lot since then. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) So let's talk about the nugget that you had gotten. You were nominated for HGTV Designer of the Year. So tell me about that. I'm going to probably be hiring you to come and decorate for me. I was. You know what? It was such a huge, it was such a huge honor. Um, So I had worked on a project for, um, for a family that I actually knew. And so they had bought a piece of property behind their property and uh, they built themselves a 2000 square foot pool house and a garden. And I mean, it's gorgeous. It's like going away without ever leaving their property. Um, And so I did all the design for their new pool house and it was such a fun project. So we submitted it um, to HGTV under their outdoor oasis category. Cause it's just the most spectacular property. They have a garden and greenhouse and pool and it, the place is incredible. Um, and I was shocked to be nominated just even just to be a finalist was amazing. So there were 15 finalists in the category nationally, and they only have six categories. And I was like, you know what? I've been in business for three years. This is like, to me, it was so cool just to be nominated Um, it was a real validation. It's a real validation. I was like, you know what? I can play on the national field and you know what? My work was good enough to get nominated and, and I didn't win and I know why I didn't win and that's okay. I'm completely okay with that. Um, cause I know why the two projects that one did win. I was like, but just to be nominated, it meant so much. It really did. And, um, that was a big, you know, um, you know, go girl, go kind of moment for me. I, have to say. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. I might actually be pretty good at this. Cause you know, as you're, you know, you understand you're an entrepreneur when you have your own business, there are moments and times where you're like, am I good at this? Can I even do this? <laughs> you know, this imposter syndrome of like, what am I doing? <laughs> and especially when you know, you have to, you know, when you keep going and then you see the little nuggets that comes out and you're like, shoot, girl, Right. Huh. You're like, you know, right. You're like, okay, that's good. Cause and you need those <laughs> though. You need those because you have those down moments when you own your own business and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> Is so this true. really the right road I'm supposed to be on? So you need those positive moments of validation from outside people. I hate to say it, but it is true. Um, to kind of help us under be like, you know what? I got this. This is good. I got this. So I'm pretty proud of that one. Great. Yeah. You should be. Thank you. Because I went on your um, social media and on your websites. And I just want to say this because I always acknowledge my women because (laughs) you guys are phenomenal and you keep me going. You know, you keep me and you let me know that I'm I am on the right track. Right. Everything that's going on. So to me, in my opinion, the measure of a great leader has much less to do with how you define your role. It is more about your actual impact on others, qualities of a great leader who will have resilience, transparency, and emotional intelligence are the main factors that make a successful leader. And I do believe individuals such as you, Jan, have this powerful gift, and it is good for the human race to be, to be able to give clarity and to help others to understand their awakening because that's what it's all about it's the awakening is what the world needs and i just want to say from me to you thank you for sharing your gift with me today 
Well, thank you. And thank you. Your words about leadership are are so powerful. And um, I fully agree with you. And I think that's a message that's so important for anyone at any age, you know, our young women, even women at any age, it's so important to feel inspired. And I love listening to podcasts like yours and reading books of people. I think women empowering women um, and everyone has a story and Absolutely. there's so much we can learn from other people. Um, and from other people's stories and there's little nuggets of wisdom and learning we can take from everything and little pieces that people can share with us, um, you know, that we can take with us in our journey. And I, I think, you know, women in business, I think, is a really powerful, amazing thing. I do agree. So tell us, how can someone reach you and tell us about how we can contact you? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so I can be contacted a bunch of different ways. So my business, my interior design business is called Jermar Designs. It's J-E-R-M-A-R designs.com. I'm on Instagram. Um, you can email me at website. My book is called Two Feet In Lessons from an All-In Life. Um, you can find that on Amazon. It's also available anywhere you want to get an audio book. Um, it's also available on the Kindle and the ebook if you want that. Um, and all of that is all linked from my website, from my Instagram, from my Facebook page or my personal Facebook, Gene Collins in Connecticut. So I can be found at any of those places. I encourage people read my book, write a review. I would really appreciate it. Read out, reach out after you read it. If you have something to share, a little moment where you're like, I can relate or you help me learn this. Thank you so much. Um, I love the feedback. You can post it on it as a review or send me a note. Be great. I appreciate the support. Absolutely. Well, again, it has been a pleasure having you on my show. Do you have any last minute comments you want to say or? You know, the one thing I would say is like, it's the holiday season and um, I'm very aware that it's the holiday season and this can be a really difficult time for a lot of people. Um, and this can be a time that can be very depressing and very challenging for people for lots of different reasons. Um, and so I just encourage people um, I bring it up during the holidays, but it's applicable any time of year. Just, you know, when you leave your house, think about what you can do to just be kind to another person um, with your day. And if we all could just make a few efforts to be kind to other people as we go about our days, I think the world would just be a happier place in our small little neighborhood environment. And, you know, you can't change the world all at once. And if we could just make other people happier one person at a time, one day at a time, then I think we've done a lot of good. Absolutely. Well, readers, I have reached my destination and I leave you with this quote. I am award-winning author of the new book, Journey of a Sapphire. This book is about a girl who had overcame adversity on her journey towards success. And I hope to inspire others who have or who are going through challenges or obstacles to never give up on your dreams. Most importantly, how to recognize behavioral problems. You can find my book on Amazon.com, Journey of a Sapphire, or please visit my website, journeyofasapphire.com, also available on Kindle Fire. As always, the, I leave you with this quote, the more I deal with the work as something that is my own, as something that is personal, the more successful it is. Marion Battish, designer and author. Cheers. Thank you for listening to All Roads 65 Max Radio with Pamela Henderson. 
Join us every other week on Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on BBS Radio Station One. And please visit allroads65max.org and become a volunteer or sponsor and be the change you want to see in this world. With your help, we can make a difference in our society and uplift those who so desperately need our help. Thank you for tuning in.